0: Hey, this is noah levine founder of against the stream refuge recovery and dharma punks thanks for tuning into the podcast i hope you're enjoying the dharma together may we create a positive change on this planet if you feel moved to leave a donation there's a link in the show notes may our paths cross soon welcome everybody anybody here for the first time tonight welcome to you welcome 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 to anybody tuning in at home on Zoom for the first time. Since the new year, I started a series of teachings on the life of the Buddha and the core teachings of of the Buddha, and we're all the way up to post-enlightenment. Last week, we talked about the Buddha, after his awakening, formulating how he was going to teach the um experience that he had how he was going to lead others to to share these teachings and and how he went and found his um old friends that he had been practicing asceticism with and this extreme renunciation uh kind of traditional Ramanic hindu what modern day we call sadhus and uh, he went and found them at the deer park in um, outside of Varanasi, a place called Saranath, and he taught them the Four Noble Truths. And last week we went kind of a, a brief overview over the, the four truths and this way that he formulated. Here's the here's the way to get free. Here's the path to enlightenment. If you practice and um, understand and develop wisdom in these. Um, we call it four, but really it's actually 12 different things because there's the fourth is the eightfold path. So kind of four and eight. So I'm going to look at it at 11 or, or 12 different practices. And each one is um, something that we must develop and understand and practice. So we're going to come back uh, and for these next, at least, 12 weeks but maybe longer if i take my time um, i'm gonna talk about each truth and, and how the buddha taught these uh, as practices and how we can reflect and learn and and practice these in our own life to ultimately end suffering but maybe we could also just settle for decreasing suffering you know maybe some of you will get fully enlightened soon um, but also totally okay to have the progress, uh, am, I, am I suffering less, am I getting more free uh, goal? So tonight's topic is the first noble truth, and probably most of you are, you've read some books, and you've listened to some Dharma talks, and you're well aware that the first truth is uh, the truth of suffering. And so just reflect for a moment on your own experience with suffering. How, how have you suffered in this lifetime so far? You're still young, you got plenty of time to suffer more, and maybe in new ways.
1: Mm.
0: But how have you suffered so far? What what has been what's been difficult about life? What's been the challenges, the hardships the um the pain the sorrow that like what is what's been what's your suffering been what are the top couple of ways that you suffer you know you know there's this buddhist perspective that there's a difference between pain and suffering there's all the unpleasant shit we have to deal with and that some of that's just unavoidable and and pain is not necessarily need to equal suffering, but it's how we relate to pain, unpleasantness, difficulties. And so taking that view of you're fully responsible for your response, your reaction, what are the reactivities and the responses in your life that are making it more difficult rather than easier? How are you... Creating suffering for yourself. Like, what's the kind of top, top two ways that you create suffering for yourself? Do you know them? <laughs> is it obvious? You don't. You don't need to say it. Just internally knowing it. I'm going to have you. As some of you know, I'm, this is a setup for, um, for one of the core uh, missions. One of the core intentions behind against the stream as a a meditation center is to help you develop community, is for us to be able to come together and meet each other and and develop friendships and uh, connections with other people who are also trying to end suffering, to awaken, to to get free. And uh, that's quite challenging to do if you just come and listen to a talk and meditate and then leave. So I always try to get you to talk to each other even though some of you hate it. I think some people actually go to Zoom just so that they don't have to talk to anybody and then they, they can opt out of the small group, uh, which is more difficult if you're here in person. So what are the couple of ways that you uh, suffer you create your suffering? Are you even aware? I mean I think, I think when I reflect back on my early um, study and practice of Buddhism, I wasn't even aware that I was creating it. I was just like, there's all of this suffering and I want, I felt like a victim, like, a, like hopeless. Like, it was a whole reframe that Buddhism gave me that I'm responsible for how I re- react to what's happening. And that simple fact, it's not what's happening. It's how you're relating to what's happening that causes your suffering and that, like that's fucking mind blowing really i was pretty sure it was just the situation that sucked that i was suffering about and this buddhist wisdom that says actually you can develop enough wisdom to no matter what is happening not suffer about it no matter how painful it is how tragic how difficult the situation It's possible to not suffer about it. This is the Buddha's awakening. This is the core of Buddhism. You cannot suffer (laughs) no matter what happens. Which brings us back to I'm not there yet. And I continue to respond to life in a way that makes it worse. Harder. Rather than alleviates it. And this first truth, and I'm going to get into it, is really normalizing. And I hope it lands like that for you that it's totally and completely normal to be suffering. It's not your fault. It's not, you know, there's this say, yes, it's our responsibility. But this is the noble truth of the uh, reality that all of us are suffering. And part of the solution is to talk about it and to have community and to stop blaming ourselves for all of it and to kind of say like yeah i'm in this mind that just creates all this suffering for me in this body that experiences all of this pain and craving and aversion and and i take it all real personal and i'm trying to learn not to so i'd like to ask you to um, go into like small groups, two or three people, introduce yourself and then uh, tear your heart open (laughs) and uh, tell each other about how you create suffering for yourself these days. So we'll have a period of meditation and meditation is um, part of the Eightfold Path, part of the core teachings of the Buddha. And I think that sometimes People bring the idea to meditation that um, it's solely or primarily to experience, um, you know, peace or to, to eliminate suffering. And there's some truth to that. But the way that Buddhist meditation works is that first you have to totally identify the causes of your suffering. And meditation is turning towards your own mind. And body and emotions and it's not about avoiding or transcending or uh, ignoring um, but sitting with like okay this is what it feels like in my body and my heart and my mind and slowly increasing our intimacy with the truth of our suffering and and the causes of our suffering and and learning to respond in a different way so Part of the kind of general meditation instruction is turn turn inward, be present with your suffering tonight, if there's any. If there's any, when you're meditating, all of the moments when you're not completely at ease, like one of the other uh, ways to talk about suffering. The first noble truth is uh, uneasiness. One teacher um, translates it as stress. Any any stress any stress which is resistance to what's happening right now and turning towards that and identifying it like oh there's this clinging over here and there's this craving and there's this fear and this judgment and rather than trying to meditate them away turn your attention towards the suffering with the kindness and a curiosity and an openness a um, willingness to investigate and check it out oh it's like this suffering uh, is my mind being critical. My body, even when you get uncomfortable, you sit here for 20 minutes and your body starts to get uncomfortable. Doesn't ha- You don't have to suffer about the pain, but you do, right? <laughs> you know, this sucks. My knee hurts, my back hurts, my shoulder, something is unpleasant. And we see how little tolerance we have for unpleasantness and how we so quickly turn that into suffering. Meditation is An opportunity, and whatever difficult thoughts and sensations arise, trying to reframe it as like, oh, this is an opportunity to see more clearly. Rather than a distraction, or I'd be happy if I was comfortable, or, or whatever your thoughts are about it, this is an opportunity to be with what is, and what is is these thoughts, these emotions, these sensations, turning towards it, being with it. I Hope that makes sense. So find a way to sit that's upright and relaxed and, and then try to take a posture that you maintain. Totally okay to be uncomfortable and not move out of it. As you're ready, allowing your eyes to be closed. Relaxing and releasing any unnecessary tension the body's holding. Establishing an inner attitude of friendliness. Of acceptance and the intention to be kind towards whatever arises in your heart, your body, your mind. We you establish Present time awareness, right here, right now. Paying attention, bringing awareness to your body. All of the sensations created by sitting on this chair or cushion. Mindfulness of the body with the body. The body itself is aware. Turning our attention to what's happening right now. And of course, there are experiences at the sense doors of sound and smell and taste. images even with the eyes closed still some eye consciousness the mind thinks and the heart feels spending a few minutes keeping the attention more narrowly focused in the body with the sensation the breath creates Let the thoughts be in the background. Breathing in, know that you're breathing in. Receive the sensations the breath creates. Breathing out. Give your full attention to the sensation of the breath coming and going. Sometimes in early practice, it's helpful to note in and out with each breath, giving it a label. Likewise, you can use the noting, the labeling to acknowledge hearing, sound. The attention is drawn to a sound, hearing. And then come back to the breath. not trying to stop our minds from thinking but in this first foundation we are trying to stop being involved in the thoughts disengaging from the contents of the thoughts and coming back to the body breathing over and over of course the attention gets drawn back into the realm of thoughts the plans the memories the fantasies the resentments whatever the mind is doing become aware this is a thought it's a plan this is a memory or worry or doubt, whatever the mind is doing. Perhaps it's a wholesome thought, there's a thought of love, appreciation, gratitude. If you're new, keep coming back to the breath. Use it as the anchor to the present. The Buddha's instructions encourage us to expand beyond the narrow focus to a more inclusive awareness of the whole body from head to toe. Feel your body sitting upright, where there's tension, see if you can soften, breathe into it. And inquiring, is there any suffering about my body right now? Is this body currently source of suffering? Or are you pretty at ease in your body right now? Our mindfulness includes the sounds, includes the images, the smells, the tastes, the thoughts and emotions. Present time, non-judgmental awareness of your direct experience. The mind is thinking, the body is feeling. The breath is coming and going. Sounds are arising and passing, appearing and dissolving. Become more and more mindful. Start to identify that each experience has a feeling tone. We're perceiving, experiencing each sound as pleasant or unpleasant or neutral. Each thought. Pleasant thoughts, unpleasant thoughts. Every sensation in the body. So the inquiry becomes, what is happening right now what am i aware of in this moment and how does it feel how much of our suffering is in relationship to what we're feeling the pleasurable experiences that we want to keep the unpleasant experiences that we want to avoid Realization that whatever is happening is impermanent, changing, transient, passing through awareness. This pain is changing the mind, the body, subject to impermanent phenomena, thoughts and feelings, sensations. Keep identifying the cause of your suffering. Is it clinging? Craving? Fear? Aversion? What's getting in the way of being completely at ease in this moment? It's not The experience, it's how we're relating to it. (laughs) mm <laughs> If you experience unpleasant sensations in the body, bring your attention directly into the pain. See If you can soften and accept this unpleasantness, just as it is, the resistance, the fear, the anger makes it worse. Notice that your mind has a tendency towards planning, craving, fantasizing about pleasant outcomes in the future. Bring your full attention to that. Craving feels like this. Clinging. Feels like this. See if you can relinquish, release, soften. Let go of the grasp, grasping. And the fourth foundation of mindfulness, the Buddha says, when you're suffering, just bring mindfulness to it. Suffering is like this. Awareness of the dukkha, the unsatisfactory, difficult. The experience of clinging, of craving, of aversion. Don't ignore it, but investigate it. so to try to bring us back to um this as a linear story i don't know if i'm able to do this every week for the next few months but Remember, they were talking about Siddhartha, who left home, went out to seek awakening, and um, you know, studied with some teachers that taught him concentration techniques. That he said that you know they work temporarily, but didn't really uproot and, and give him the, the the freedom that he was seeking. And uh, went off and did the asceticism practice, and then discovered on his own mindfulness just through trial and error, rather than trying to concentrate away the Suffering. What if I just turned towards it with present time, non-judgmental, kind awareness? And he said, "Oh, this is the key. Mindfulness is the key. That's why we primarily practice mindfulness because it is the experience that led him to to the freedom that he experienced." And um, and then he went off and he found his friends and he and he formulated the four noble truths. And so, uh, kind of bringing us back to we're here at saranath or in the deer park and the buddha freshly you know the young baby buddha is freshly enlightened and he's for the first time explaining to his friends the path to awakening and he starts by saying the first thing that we have to accept is the truth of suffering that it is inevitable that it is the reality that we are all born into. Um, in some ways, he doesn't say this, but I hear it as, it's not your fault. He's just saying it's the way it is. It's not your fault that you've been suffering your whole life so far. But in order to get to the good shit, the end of suffering, we don't get to avoid transcend, ignore, deny, suppress the truth of suffering, we have to turn into it. We have to turn towards it. We have to, uh, like we're doing in the the meditation, we have to dissect it and be like, okay, this is the experience of suffering, and it feels like this, and it uh, lasts this long, and it arises, and it passes, and it's caused... I see my clinging or my aversion or my fear, whatever the mind is doing or the body is rejecting that is happening right now that's making it worse. So he's sitting there and surrounded by his friends and says, let's start with the noble truth of suffering. And he says, um, "Birth is suffering." And again, this just taking birth. So many of us have this of um, Western psychological, materialist idea that you're born and like everything's good until your parents fucked you up, right?" But the Buddha is saying, no, no, like just track this back. Like Part of the problem isn't that your parents fucked you up, just that you took birth. You took birth into a nervous system that loves pleasure and hates pain. You took birth into a mind that was gonna take everything personal for the rest of your life. Even with ideal, conscious, loving parents, still the experience of taking birth Inevitably, there's going to be suffering as part of existence, no matter how healthy of an environment you're raised in. Obviously, none of us got that environment, so it's easy to blame. But the reality is birth itself, just incarnating, just coming into a body, hurts and Seems like almost a little bit judgmental or something, but look at, uh, you know, babies, what is that? Sort of like you're born gasping for air and screaming and you're pissed. What the fuck? I was just in a hot tub, (laughs) breathing underwater. It was amazing, weightless. I didn't have to eat or shit or do anything. And now here, and that's like, oh, God, fucking oxygen and people, mom, (laughs) dad, whomever. And then there's that experience of, you know, and then, of course, in our, you know, all of a sudden the doctors and the nurses are poking you and fucking cutting your cord and some suffering. And just taking birth already, it starts... Bad. <laughs> sucks. Um, so, you know, it says birth suffering. And when he goes, he says, the birth of beings belonging to, you know, this and that order of beings, they're being born, the conception, the springing into existence, the manifestation of the groups of existence, which is consciousness and a body and the feeling tones that you're born. And all of a sudden, you're experiencing pleasant and unpleasant and neutral. And uh, um, consciousness and perception. He says, these uh, the arising of the sense activity, this is called birth. And this birth itself comes with suffering. Does that make sense to you? Do you think that's true? Maybe some of you are like, no, babies are like beautiful little
1: Buddhas.
0: (laughs) They're not suffering yet until they develop neurotic personalities because of... But there's something, I don't know how many of you are parents, um, but if you watch children, and even just that, you know, you're born, and then all of a sudden you're dependent, and you're craving for uh, sustenance, and for, uh, you know, you're totally... You need warmth, and you need shelter, and you need boob, and you need, and you do, you see children how much craving there is, and how intolerant to discomfort. Like you think you're intolerant now, trying to sit still for thirty minutes. Watch a baby in a car seat or a crib or a any kind of thing that's not totally comfortable. And so, you know, so often it's like uh, you know, unless you're being like held. You're pissed. I mean, there's all kinds of different temperaments in children, but in a generalization, that suffering of early childhood, of birth. He says, okay, so then we're, we're born and that's suffering. And he's telling these guys and they're like, yeah, okay, suffering, birth. And then he says, uh, and then as soon as you are born, he goes right to decay impermanence. You're born into this body. And I don't know what the age is. It's like something like 18 or early twenties or something, where you're like growing and you're, and then once you, you hit like, I don't know, anybody know what the number is? It's like 20. And from 20 years old on, it's all decay. (laughs) You're no longer growing up. You're no longer, uh, you know, developing, you are decaying. And he says, this decay, the decay of beings are becoming aged, frail, gray, and wrinkled. The failing of their vital force, uh, the wearing out of the senses, this is called decay. So this whole process of aging. And um, are you suffering about that yet? you suffering about not being young some of you are still young some of us I'm still young but you notice right like and when does that turn or when did you start suffering about your age i know like as a kid i suffered about my age a lot because i couldn't wait to be old enough to be free like being a kid sucked you have to do what people tell you and, and then, you know, whatever it is in our culture, 18. And, and then you're like pretty good in your twenties. It's totally self-centered impervious. And then at some point you're like, fuck, I'm not young anymore. And I don't have the energy and I don't have the, um, This battle with gravity starting to get wrinkles and frail and gray. Some of you are in that, some of you not yet. The eyes, I didn't start wearing glasses until I was in my forties. I had perfect eyesight in my twenties and thirties. And then all of a sudden my body, my eyeballs are decaying. (laughs) They're fucking rotting right in my head and I have to look through a magnified glass in order to read, what the fuck is happening? (laughs) Suffering. If we resist it, if we judge it, if we cling to being young and healthy. He says death is suffering. The departing and vanishing of beings out of... uh, Out of this world, the destruction, the disappearance, death, the completion of the life period, the dissolution of uh, these four elements, the discarding of the body. He said, this is death. This is suffering. And reflecting for ourselves, how uh, how much do you suffer about your own impending death? You worry about it? Does your mind... You live in fear of death. Some healthy fear of death is probably necessary. Keeps us from doing really, really stupid. Keeps some of us from doing really, really stupid things. Dangerous. How much have you suffered so far about the impermanence of other people dying? Last night in this room, we had a, Circle for the family of our friend Stephen Moak, who is part of this sangha, who died a couple weeks ago. And a lot of suffering to lose a 40-year-old son, his mother sitting here in the room, his sister, his daughter. A lot of suffering around death. We're not very good at Accepting. The fact that death is the consequence of birth, especially when it's younger. Something about, you know, grandma or grandpa or you know, somebody dying at 90, where it's like, yeah, it's sad, but they're fucking 90 or 80 or whatever it is. It's natural, it's normal. But when death comes younger the suffering of that, uh, the grief, the sorrow, the craving for it not to be true. Actually, I had two two friends die in the last couple of weeks. I also found out that an old friend from Santa Cruz recovery um, died. My friend David Dorje died this week too. And the reality of uh, loss, of living where we fall in love with each other, And we cling to each other and we are connected. And then that feeling of, wait, they're not here anymore. I don't get to talk to them. I don't get to see them. They don't exist in my life, in this world. And so uh, how much have you suffered this normal suffering of, Death, either other people's death. And a lot of people suffer a lot about our own death. I want to, you know, this craving for existence. I want to exist forever. Birth is suffering. Death is suffering. Aging is suffering. Sorrow and lamentation. Sorrow is the arising of, uh, of the loss and misfortune which one encounters, the worrying, the state of being alarmed, inward sorrow, inward woe. This is called sorrow, that kind of feeling of fear and alarm and worrying. Lamentation is suffering through the loss, misfortune that one that befalls us, befalls one. Uh, we wail, we, w- we lament, wailing and lamentation, the state of woe. That feeling of like total rejection of what's happening. This, is sh- this shit's not okay. And maybe you have some of that personally in your life. Uh, socially politically how much of the political uh divide is this lamentation and judgment and and like it, it can't this can't be happening all of this racism and sexism and homophobic reality that we live in and getting so angry about it and you know uh, suffering so much at the reality of the world of confusion and oppression that we live in. And of course, I'm not uh, saying uh, don't have strong, passionate feelings to create a positive change. But there is a there is some uh, level of just suffering at what's happening rather than compassionately responding to what's happening, to the reality that we live in, this world. He goes on to say, pain itself, all of the unpleasantness that we experience is suffering. The normal way that we relate to pain is we suffer about it. And the more we become mindful, the more we start to wake up to it's not just the big pains. It's not just the big uh, emotional, afflictive pains or the physical injuries or um, it's that every single moment our sense doors are experiencing pleasant, unpleasant, or neutral. Everything that we look at, how many unpleasant sights did you? painful sights did you have today? And there's a scale, right? Because there's anything that you find annoying. Did you have to look at anything annoying today? How about when you walk past a homeless person? Is that unpleasant experience when somebody's sleeping on the sidewalk or passed out or whatever is happening for that person? The eye sees it and there's does it feel neutral to you, or does it feel unpleasant? Oh, that's unpleasant. Every sound, like I don't know, what was your what was your perception of the Harley starting during meditation? Is that unpleasant? Is that painful? God damn it! I'm meditating. <laughs> Fucking motorcycles. Again, it's all perception because some people hear the motorcycle and they say, "Oh, that's pleasant." Oh harley davidson motherfucker <laughs> some people are like this is a distraction this is loud this is i came here to be at peace this is bullshit <laughs> fuck are you meditating on lincoln boulevard for
1: <laughs>
0: and that paint you know turns all of that levels of suffering that we can create over a what we perceive as an unpleasant sound or an unpleasant sight all of the And how many? How many? uh, Somebody showed me a um, a meme of a um, diagram of a nervous system, and you know, nervous system, which is like all of the you know nerves all throughout the body, and it it looks like this fucking monster. It's like like there's this weird octopus thing inside your body, and the thing was like, get this thing out of me. This nervous system where it's like every part of our body feeling sensations head to toe and how much of the sensations do you experience every moment, every day are perceived as painful or unpleasant. Even just sitting here, there's that interesting experiment of would you move at all if it wasn't motivated by pain? Wouldn't you just sit still and just chill? And if you start looking at like, why do I shift? Why do I readjust? Why do I itch or even blink? Try not to blink. How long until it gets painful? Oh fuck, that sucks. My eyes are getting—it's unpleasant. Try not to swallow. Try not to breathe. All every breath, every blink, every movement of our body motivated by I'm uncomfortable. And I think I could be more comfortable if I blink, swallow, shift. Most of it's just automatic. The body's just doing it constantly trying to deal with the unpleasant messages that the nervous system's getting. This is unpleasant. This is painful. And then there's all the, you know, so there's the moment to moment pain of existence, unpleasantness. Now, of course, it's not all unpleasant because there's also all of these wonderful things that we get to look at, pleasant views and pleasant uh, sounds, music, pleasant smells, pleasant tastes. A few years ago, I was doing a bunch of yoga festivals teaching meditation at these big yoga festivals and i loved to use the example when i was talking about unpleasantness because of course the yogis are such bliss chasers like we're here just doing yoga getting so blissed out i was like go be blissed out in the porta potty (laughs) (laughs) with the unpleasant you know like you want to test your freedom your realization do it while you're smelling the shit In the midst of the painful smell of poop. Right? Like we don't think of it stench as painful, but that's what's happening. It's like, oh, this hurts to smell. (laughs) This hurts my face (laughs) to smell this. It's painful. Some sounds, some images. Wow, it's painful to look at that smell it to taste it all of the pain that we experience the habitual reactive tendency that we are all born with is to let's suffer about the pain none of us are born with a like let's accept it as impersonal and you know none of us are born with total tolerance and compassion and Uh, acceptance nobody's born like that we're all born into a reactive aversive pain equals i have to suffer about it and this is where the buddha said like okay first let's just see that turn towards it acknowledge how you constantly are suffering about the pain in life and later he comes around to saying you know bad news is pain is unavoidable Enlightenment does not mean the end of pain. Liberation does not mean it's blissful and pleasant all of the time. It means that you develop acceptance, tolerance, and compassion for the porta potty of life, the shithouse of existence. <laughs> Now, pain is suffering. Here's a, I don't know if this is on your mind, but we're coming around in the third noble truth where they say we can end all suffering. We can end grief and sorrow and lamentation. We can even great, we can end birth and death by attaining nirvana. The only way that we can end birth, death, And pain, the only way we can end pain is by not taking birth again. So this is the Buddhist teaching that we're in a cycle of rebirth. As long as you've incarnated, as long as you've taken birth, pain is inevitable. The only way to end pain is to stop taking birth. The only way to end death as a cycle that you go through over and over from this reincarnation view of Buddhism is stop taking birth and you'll stop dying. Stop taking birth and you'll stop experiencing all of the pain of existence. If you don't free yourself from greed and hatred and diver- and aversion, clinging, craving, aversion, then you'll just keep taking birth over and over. Later, the Buddha says, and this is a great quote, where he says... Um, He's talking about samsara of, of the, the suffering. So there's all of the, the sense door experience of suffering. And he says, you know, we're here in, in this realm of perpetual wandering and samsara coming back lifetime after lifetime. Now I'll pause for a moment and say, it is not important for you to believe this, to benefit from Buddhism. Some of, you know, some, some of the people in the room feel like, yeah, this makes sense and reincarnation and multiple lives, that makes sense to me. Some of you are just skeptical, and it's totally okay to be skeptical and also to question why you're skeptical about it and you know what you've been taught and what science teaches and doesn't teach. and um, But the Buddha's, you know, so my encouragement is uh, listen to it with the, like, yeah, maybe, maybe this is true rather than totally deciding it's wrong. so he says we're in this cycle of of wandering from lifetime to lifetime and and the dukkha every time we're born sickness aging death pain sorrow lamentation you're gonna have to go through it over and over was it's interesting to question why we're so attached to life when when we start to unpack it we're like it's actually life is pretty difficult there's a lot of joy hopefully a lot of pleasure, a lot of wonderful experiences. And it's not all a shithouse. Sometimes it's a garden. <laughs> you know, sometimes it's wonderfully pleasant. And, but to experience the pleasure, we have to also experience all of the p- pain. The pain is unavoidable. There's no way to create a life that's only pleasant. Most of us got strung out trying to do that. Most of our community are recovering addicts because we try to snort, shoot, drink our way to perpetual pleasure. And it's fucking impossible. You can't even, however big your piles of cocaine are, they still end in pain. It doesn't work. So he's talking about some sorrow and the perpetual wandering, lifetime to lifetime. And he says, by the time you take this birth and you have come into contact with the Dharma, you've got this teaching, the Four Noble Truths, the Eightfold Path, this map, this guide, you can get free. He said, by the time you get here, he says, which do you think is more the flood of tears? Which weeping and wailing, you've shed upon this long journey, hurrying and hastening through this round of rebirths, united with the undesired, separated from the desired. This is the water or the water of the four oceans. So he's saying, have you cried more from the suffering or the water and all of the seas of the earth, the four oceans, he says. He says, long have you suffered the death of father and mother, of sons, daughters, brothers, and sisters. And while you were suffering, you have indeed shed more tears upon this long way, long way this journey, than the water in all the four oceans. He says, which do you think is more? The streams of blood that, you're, that you, having been beheaded, have flowed upon this long journey, or the waters in the four oceans. He says, long have you been caught as robbers, highwaymen, adulterers, and through your being beheaded, verily more blood has flown through the violence you've experienced in past births, more tears, more blood than in all of the, you know, it's this extreme example. And then the question is, well, how is this possible? I mean, how long have we existed to cry that much, to bleed that much? And he says, it's inconceivable as the beginning of this samsara. Not to be discovered is there any first beginning of beings who obstructed, confused by ignorance, ensnared by craving, are hurrying and hastening through the rounds of rebirths. That we just go through lifetime after lifetime unconscious, following our cravings, following our aversion, and just to take birth all over again, I have to do it again. Not Hastening to actually free ourselves from the causes of suffering. Not slowing down and training the mind and practicing renunciation and the uh, ethical way of being, just chasing our desire systems and then dead and then again and then dead and then again over and over and over. He says, You've Long undergone this suffering, undergone torment, undergone misfortune, filled the graveyards full, truly long enough to be dissatisfied with all the forms of existence, long enough to turn away and free yourselves from them all. And so it's this, you know, sort of dramatic Buddhist view that like, you don't have to keep coming back. You've done it for long enough. You've suffered enough. And even if you want to dismiss rebirth and just say, even just in this lifetime, you've suffered enough. You've, in this lifetime, you don't have to keep doing this. You have the opportunity now to, by turning towards suffering, embracing it and uh, becoming intimate with it and its causes, to really get free here now, this lifetime. You don't have to keep wandering in the craving, aversion, and self-centeredness of the human condition. Pain is suffering. Grief is suffering. Despair is suffering. Not getting what one desires. We're subject to birth death there comes desire craving he doesn't say it here but i feel like not getting what you want having a desire system how often is your mind when you're meditating you can look at your mind planning with some sort of message that says I would be happy if it's planning some future happiness, craving, desiring. If life were only like this, if I only had this kind of relationship, this kind of money, this kind of job, this kind of home, whatever the mind is saying, then you'd be happy. And the suffering of that perpetual craving state of I can't be at ease with what is right now, because the mind is constantly telling me there's some destination. It's somewhere else. It's it's when I get, then I'll be happy. But also, how often have you got what you wanted and been pretty disappointed by it? He doesn't say this, but I want to add, not getting what you want is suffering, but also getting what you want, also suffering. At least, like, when we're not getting what we want yet, you can live in the fantasy of, like, yeah, but I would be stoked if I got it. And then when you get it, you're like, fuck, it didn't work. I was really convinced that a relationship, a certain amount of money, a career, a certain amount of close friendships, of what some, you know, whatever the mind is saying, if I just had more, more quality or more depth or, um, there's something about our human condition. And this is next week's, the repetitive craving that, um, it's unsatisfiable, no matter what you obtain, it won't work. nothing works (laughs) and the suffering of that reality that when you get what you want you're going to continue to want it's just going to take another form and that it's just part of this reality of this instinctual drive survival instinct i guess loss of suffering, craving is suffering. And what mindfulness reveals is that we live in this world of constant impermanence and impermanence is really the culprit here, isn't it? Especially when it comes to pleasure. And the, what I was just talking about of like, you get something and you're so temporarily satisfied. It's impermanent, that satisfaction is impermanent and you can't keep any experience and so we suffer about it and many of us suffer extraordinarily about trying out of a delusion that maybe i can get there i'm going to keep chasing i'm going to keep Clinging, I'm going to keep craving, I'm going to keep obeying my mind, believing this confused idea that happiness exists at some future destination. That there's a material solution, that there's a sensual solution, that there's an external refuge, something outside of myself will alleviate my suffering. And of course, the, the core Buddhist understanding is that you can, you know, again, forward thinking and he's talking to the, his friends and he's saying, you know, there's all this suffering and it's totally an inside job. We can end suffering through changing our relationship to the craving, to the aging, to death, to pain, to not getting what we want, to the desire system of the human. We can do this through our own efforts in this lifetime. Suffering is normal. Pain is inevitable. And also, with a well-trained heart and mind, suffering is optional. It's really actually possible to get so good at being in pain that you don't suffer about it anymore in the porta-potty of life. <laughs> just unpleasant. Just unpleasant. With compassion for it. With acceptance. And with enough discernment to, like, you know, get out of the porta potty as soon as possible. <laughs> Keep it moving. In no way is Buddhism any kind of like um, masochistic encouragement to be like, well, it's painful and just hang out there. It's like, no, no, turn towards it and see the impermanence and, and then make the you know choices to uh, avoid what can, is avoidable and to accept what is unavoidable. Last thing that I'll say, and then if there's any dialogue, we have a few more minutes. Um, I want to encourage everyone to think about getting good at suffering rather than thinking so much about ending it. More of an acceptance than a kind of like, yeah, of course I'm suffering at times. Rather than what we can kind of have a a Buddhist super ego judging like, well, I'm a Buddhist meditator. I shouldn't be suffering about this. More just like, I need to really get good at suffering. So that like, yeah, I'm suffering, but it's not that. Yeah, of course I am. (laughs) Of course I'm suffering. Rather than the ways that sometimes we can judge and think, you know, that extra layer of suffering we we put on top of our suffering. It's painful. I hate it, but I shouldn't hate it because I'm a Buddhist rather than just like it's painful and I hate it and I'm trying to develop compassion and I'm not there yet and my friend died and I understand that death is totally inevitable and and still sad and not judging the sadness and the grief and the sorrow and like well I'm supposed to end grief and sorrow and lamentation let it just feel it and just be like yep I'm lamenting it and I'm grieving it and i'm and i'm angry and feeling it and being like and i'm trying to get good at it at feeling all of it so that our practice doesn't become another form of suppression another form of denial or another form of the judging mind taking over Any questions about suffering? Suffering is no big deal. We're all doing it. Please. Um, understandable being Yeah, as far as temptations go and things that are toxic to
2: us, Mm -hmm.
0: but in letting that go, it is very hard because personally, it's the grip of holding on to that, and it's the sorrow that's involved because there is a grieving process with even just losing a
2: relationship, right? How Do you
1: release, because yes, we have to feel all our emotions.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: That's normal. But how do you cut the cord? Do you know kind of know where I'm going with it? Yep. I don't know at home if you could hear. But she, she was talking about, you know, the suffering of clinging and, and the humility to acknowledge like, yep, we do that and the end of relationships or, um, and then how do we, um, how do we let go and, uh, and, and is there a way to cut the cord so that we're not still clinging Um I don't think there's a way to cut the cord. I think you have to think about it more like, and we remember last week, we talked a little bit about this, that the more we bring our mindfulness to it and be like, wow, this is really painful when I hold on. uh, And then it's like a a gradual loosening and that humility of that part that I was saying at the end to just accept like, I I can't let go. I'm just not there yet. I know theoretically that non-attachment is the solution, but I'm super attached And just having the humility to uh, accept that. Uh, Like, I I can't just, there's no easy relinquishing here. And then, if if you use that analogy of the rope, and rather than cutting it, you know, how many um, strands are in that um, rope? You know, in order to create a rope, it's like, I don't know, maybe let's say hundreds of these different uh, distinct strands that are, you know, twirled together. And so at the end of this relationship, you're like slowly, uh, you know, a couple of them are being cut and you're getting a little bit better at it, but it's, there's still quite a burn. But, you know, once you have um, let go a little bit more and a little bit more, you get better at it and, and it starts to uh, unravel, you know, that, that tendency towards clinging and you let go more quickly in the, you know, the more you've brought mindfulness to the suffering of clinging the more you say, okay, I'm gonna, I have the intention to let go. I I heard the um, image used once that I liked that made sense that sometimes we've been clinging so hard for so long that like your um, hand is like almost like it's like frozen. Ever had that experience where you're like holding on? Somebody used the experience, uh, the analogy of like you're late for your plane and you're clinging to your luggage and you're running through the airport and you're clinging and you're clinging. And then you get there and you like try to let go, but your hand is still like tight and it's like, uh, like cramped, closed. And so I feel like sometimes we're like that where it's like, I want to let go, but I'm just like cramped around this. I'm, like, I'm just frozen in this clinging. And so I'm bringing the mindfulness, and the mindfulness is like uh, you know, thawing it slowly, thawing it slowly, unraveling the, the that which I'm clinging to, seeing like. Um, but in the meantime, we have to just have the humility to like, I'm going to suffer through this. It's impermanent. It's I'm going to suffer through it, rather than some. It's more craving that wants to just cut it right. It's more craving. I just want it to go away now. I want this shit to be over with. The meditative path is one that's going to take years and years and years of slowly unraveling and slowly letting go. It's a gradual process of wisdom that gets developed. Um, it's it's not a scissors. <laughs> It's more like unraveling the the rope with like a toothpick or something. (laughs) It's like you're in prison and you have to get out like they did in Shawshank with the little just like (laughs) little rock hammer. (laughs) But fuck it, you know, dig the hole for 15 years. Meditate for 15 years. And see, like, wow, I'm getting closer and closer and closer to having dug myself out of this prison of clinging. Last question, comment. Um,
2: yeah. So I have a uh, hard time figuring out, like, what is the difference between extreme unpleasantness and suffering, right? And if the Buddha somehow made it to a place where he didn't suffer, to me, it seems like stop experiencing new things. Because I mean, how can we not suffer naturally when your child dies? Or, you know, if you back up into a, you know, into traffic crossing the street and get hit by a car. I mean suffering to me seems like it's on the scale of human experience. You know, it's kind of the opposite of ecstasy, maybe. So I mean you're gonna suffer in order to know that you're suffering, reacting to an extreme event. So why? How is that possible to not experience it?
0: That's the question. How is it possible to develop so much compassion for pain that even when we're in the midst of a big loss, like the example of a child dying or uh, a big injury, like, you know, a, a kind of possibly mortal wound, you know, car accident or um, to have so much compassion for our pain that we accept it just as pain and don't meet it with hatred. But what it, is
2: that point of, of maybe it's trauma? What is that, that that intersection of consciousness and physical or emotional experience that it, if it's not suffering and then how should like the Buddha avoid that direct experience with, with those things?
0: he uses a couple of examples well there's a um one is there was a few assassination attempts on the buddha's life and one when he was um uh, a, a large boulder was thrown at him and it and he was able to and this is important he didn't just stand there and say like well you know it's the boulders coming in total equanimity he tried to get out of the way so there's you know, something there of like, yeah, get the fuck out of the way if you can. But he wasn't able to get all the way out of the way and it smashed his leg and broke his foot. And um, very painful. And he reportedly, the way the story goes, he was able to meet that kind of, it's the modern car accident, or it's the ancient equivalent to the modern car accident with compassion because he had developed such an a, a ability to be in pain that he said, this just hurts. This is just incredibly painful, and I don't meet it with hatred. I've rewired that part of my aversive tendency to meet it with compassion and kindness. And then after that, he walked around hobbling with a broken foot the kind of rest of his life, probably wasn't set right or whatever, and he had chronic back pain. And he said the whole last, I think it's like the last decade of his life, he said, I'm in pain all of the time, chronic pain. I'm never comfortable in this body. He said, the only time that I'm not experiencing unpleasant sensations is when I'm so concentrated in in a kind of meditative state that I'm not aware of my body anymore. He said, and I'm a Buddha, so I can do that. And I do it sometimes. But I also, I'm just mindful of that. It's constant displeasure, unpleasantness, um, living in this body. And I accept it and I meet it with compassion and I don't suffer about it at all. I know it's so fucking radical that it's hard to even fathom that we could have that much acceptance and compassion, but this is the definition of enlightenment, having that much compassion and acceptance for even the biggest, also towards the end of the Buddha's life, all of his relatives were murdered in a war. His parents, his cousins, his and so tremendous grief, loss. And he said, and I meet it all with compassion and, and sorrow. And the one place, you know, it says the end of grief. The, there's one place where um, the Buddha's two best friends die around the same time. Um, and he says it, there's, there is a, an experience of loss, huge loss here. He says that we're in the assembly, the gathering, the sangha. And without Sariputta and Mogalana, my two closest friends, um, that the room feels empty. We've all had, have you had that experience yet? Of like looking, you know, like uh, having that sort of loss, whether it's death or the end of a relationship. And you're like, well, where's my person? Where's my people? Even though you're surrounded by people. And so that there is some natural form of, he said, but I'm not suffering about it. I have understanding and it's compassion and, and it still feels. Really strange to not have the person who's usually right here, here anymore. I hope that's helpful. And I get the question. It's a big question. And, you know, some would take this question to be like, is this shit even possible? And so I'm totally open to it not being possible. I'm still looking for it myself, 30 something years in. And what I've seen is a tremendous amount of progress. But I'm now not there at all. I have way more compassion than I used to, way more acceptance, way, way less suffering. It has decreased so much since I've started to practice and continue to practice this. But I still suffer. I'm just kind of better at suffering. I accept it more. I don't layer <laughs> a lot of judgment on top of it. It's like, oh yeah, dukkha again, suffering. I'm sorry that I went over. I don't I try to end on time. So we will end. Um, I want one thing before we end is that um, maybe I'll save that till next week um, classes done by donation, please be generous supporting against the stream as a nonprofit obviously we don't charge for you to come to the zoom class but your donations help support the organization support me as a teacher. Um, There's a link in the chat if you're online. If you're here, if you'd like to donate cash, there's a begging bowl for cash you can donate or you can Venmo or PayPal and there's the sign up on the um, desk there of where to Venmo, I believe. Many goodness that comes from our practice and discussion of suffering help to alleviate suffering both in our own lives and on this planet. May each of us do what needs to be done to get as free as possible. And together, may we create a positive change on this planet. See you next week, or whenever, or never. (laughs) Thanks for tuning in to the podcast. This is Noah Levine, founder of Against the Stream and Refuge Recovery. If you feel moved to leave a donation, there's a link in the show notes.